This is the 39th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Julia Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. Now, I'm going to say the same thing I said last week. I just had a large increase in subscribers due to the election night uh, podcast newsletter and the demise of Twitter. People are fleeing the platform and they're signing up for my Substack. Um, I don't know where I'm going to go yet. I have accounts on a couple different um, new platforms, Mastodon, but I haven't set it up yet. It's a little confusing, and I just am overworked. Um, it will be set up. Twitter is getting a little dire, so who knows? It's depressing. But anyway, I want to explain uh, this project before I get into this week's episode. Decoding Fox News was designed to help the friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers, and colleagues of people who are deeply entrenched in the Fox News universe. Think of this as a support network of sorts to help you navigate the nonsense that your Fox-loving friends might spew at you. Throughout this podcast, it will refer to something called the newsletter. It can be found at my Substack channel for Decoding Fox News, which is free. The newsletter is basically a written version of the podcast. Some of the sources I cite are hyperlinked in the newsletter, so if you ever want to find a source for something, look for that, and then it will have the same name as the podcast. It should be right underneath it in my Substack. So this uh, past week's going to be long. This podcast is going to be probably a little bit longer. I'm guessing it's going to be closer to 45 minutes because I have a, a little bit more this week because of the Trump announcement because I wanted to include some of that. And that did kind of add, it's amazing how one man can add so much more work for all of us, isn't it? Anybody in the media. It's just there was life before Trump and then there was life after Trump, during Trump. And I got into the media kind of because of Trump. That's kind of why I uh, changed careers. Um, accidentally, it's a long story. I'm not going to waste your time on that. But Trump's uh, caused a resurgence in white supremacy and white nationalism and overt racism. And that's what intrigued me to get more involved to fight back against it. And that's sort of what started my sort of media career. So not to talk about myself, let's get into it. Here's the headline. Fox News, our dear leader is running for president again, but we love DeSantis. Let the investigations begin. A condensed overview of 16 hours of Fox News for the week ending November 20th, 2022. A typical Fox News viewer might think that the real villains of the midterm elections were an eccentric crypto swindler and an ancient senator from Kentucky. Fox cheered when Donald J. Trump announced he was running for president again, but within 48 hours, they switched alliances to Governor Ron DeSantis. Fox anchors were also elated about the upcoming never-ending investigations into every aspect of Hunter Biden's life. A consumer of Fox News might not realize that former Vice President Mike Pence has refused to testify to the January 6th committee or that the Supreme Court is allowing the same committee to subpoena the phone records of the chairwoman of the Republican Party in Arizona. Anyone who exclusively watched the network wouldn't know about a blizzard in Buffalo, New York, 
or a massive drought on the Mississippi River. They'd also be uninformed about the heroic anti-government protests in Iran or a bill in the Senate to protect same-sex and interracial marriages. Last week was not the typical festival of fear-mongering and scare tactics that the network normally doles out to its devoted fans. It was a complicated mess of pretending a narrow Republican majority in the House of Representatives was the start of a revolution. For the next House term, the GOP will champion the common man by throwing most of its energy into petty investigations in every crevice they can find in the Democratic power structure. Fox News insisted that inflation, gas prices, crime, and the southern border will be dealt with, even though the Republicans won't have the votes to get any meaningful legislation passed. The Republican majority might be slim, but it's still a majority, and Fox News anchors were gleeful at the thought of revenge. Shows I covered last week, Fox and Friends, The First Hour, The Five, and The Ingram Angle. Now our first section. The red wave happened, but it's Mitch McConnell's fault it wasn't bigger. Over the course of last week, Laura Ingram sharply criticized Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. As far as Ingram was concerned, it was McConnell's fault Republicans take more seats in the House and Senate. She started this by inviting former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, on to tear into the senator. Time to celebrate Mitch McConnell for securing a ninth term as Senate GOP leader. I think Mitch McConnell, more than any single person, cost us control of the Senate. The fact is, Mitch McConnell runs a Mitch McConnell pack and then raises the money as though he's going to fight for control of the Senate. He's fighting for Mitch McConnell, not for the Republican Party. Well, of course, Gingrich is correct, and his assessment was confirmed when McConnell shared his theory about why Republicans suffered some disappointing losses in the midterms. I feel like I should explain that little sound effect you heard. What Ingram did is she held up her finger and like went, like burn, I'm burning you to Mitch McConnell, which was just kind of weird, but very, very Laura Ingram. Okay. We underperformed among independents and moderates because their impression of many of the people in our party in leadership roles is that they're involved in chaos, negativity, uh, excessive uh, attacks, and it, it frightened uh, independent and moderate Republican voters. How exactly McConnell's assessment is different from what uh, Pelosi or Schumer would say about the GOP? But let's face it, Chuck does owe Mitch a heck of a lot. 18 Republicans led by McConnell made it possible for the Democrats to claim a bipartisan victory for that idiotic infrastructure bill. Now, let's not forget the 15 Republican senators who helped Democrats pass a gun control bill this past summer. Now, how is it that Democrats rarely break ranks on big bills, but Republicans, they always seem to? So let's just take this one backwards. Um, okay, so she's claiming that Republicans never break, uh, never break ranks. Okay, cinema and mansion. <laughs> Have you heard of these two senators? <laughs> because they broke ranks quite a bit and they caused all kinds of problems. You know, they exist and you could look it up and you could find bill after bill after bill that those two clogged, prevented, or stopped. Stopped outright. The filibuster, just something, just something. I'm just throwing it out there. 
Okay, so just that. And then you say that um, bipartisanship is bad because it it is bad for the party because it somehow drives away moderate and independent voters. That doesn't make a lick of sense. And then finally, the first thing she said was that Mitch McConnell, super conservative Mitch McConnell, who blocks the Democrats when he, on everything he possibly can, but that Mitch McConnell is somehow as liberal or as um, left-wing as Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senator Chuck Schumer. I, I am done. Okay, great. If you want to make it so that a Republican will never win again, go with that strategy. Let's more extreme it up. Extreme it up. We're not extreme enough. Let's double, triple down on the crazy. So that's how this starts. That's how weird this week is. Now, we're going to go into this bizarre story about cryptocurrency. And I openly admit that I don't know a lot about cryptocurrency, and I honestly don't care. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. It just screams scam, um, bankruptcy, financial ruin all over it. Because if people who are really, really good at math <laughs> have already dominated something that is math-based, probably a better idea to go, you know what? That's not me. I'm not that person. I'm not that. I'm, I'm better than the average bear with math. I think I got over my math anxiety in college. I used to hate it, but I was like, you can do this. You can do this. And like worked my way through it. But to the point that I would be the type of person who could figure out an algorithm and, and, and just sit there with numbers all day long, like crypto experts do Oh, absolutely not. And so because of that, I know that that is not my arena. I will not be doing that. So anyway, so you probably saw in the news, um, this crypto exchange called FTX collapsed. And Fox decided to exploit this confusion because most Americans do not understand the world of cryptocurrency. So you don't need to be an expert to understand how Fox twisted this, though. So the name of the CEO who ran the crypto exchange was called Sam Bankman-Fried. So he allegedly pocketed or misappropriated his client's fund, his funds anywhere from the tune of one to 10 billion. There, about one to two billion disappeared completely. And he allegedly moved 10 billion to a different branch of his company, which that is probably evaporated at this point. So he's probably gonna go to prison. Um, but what's important in terms of Fox News is that Bankman-Fried donated a lot of money to Democrat political groups. And Fox has exploited this to an extent that they are blaming Bankman-Fried for Republican losses in the midterms. And this might sort of make sense, but it absolutely does not make sense when you look into the details and break this down. So the first clip I'm going to play you is from the brain trust that is Jesse Waters. And this sort of sets the stage for how nutty this gets. Guys, a mini Madoff, and I want my money back because oh. this guy, through his fraud, stopped my red wave. So I, I, I want that money back. I deserve that money back because if you take the forty million out of this, this was to get out the vote. This was to ballot harvest, and and that's why we don't have a Republican Senate because of fraudulent cash 
by this Minnie Madoff. And we just find out about this after right. he buys the Senate for the Democrats. That's not fair. Sounds familiar, this, though. Things keep on happening. It's like, oh, after the election, we find out about the laptop, then the Russia hoax was fake. You know, every time this guy, you know, people drag the Democrats over the finish line, it ends up being fraudulent. And so that's the stage. Now, this is sort of the new version of the big lie, at least this week it is, sort of the Democrats never would have won if it had not been for this one Democratic uh, donor who was very crooked, who stole people's money, yada, yada. Okay, now, let me just point something out. It's very, very dark. And I only found a couple instances of it, which is why I don't have a clip of it. But Fox anchors also brought up the largest Democratic donor, George Soros, more than once. Now, I found this a bit disturbing, as Soros has absolutely nothing to do with the Bankman-Fried scandal. Bankman-Fried and Soros, however, share the same religious and ethnic background, which is Jewish. Soros is frequently brought up as a villain on Fox News and in other right-wing media circles. Evoking Soros seemed to me like an obvious anti-Semitic dog whistle. And I do kind of keenly watch for these things because I do have a background in extremism that's much, much worse than anything you'd see on Fox. It's just more of a bullhorn. Like, the, I don't even get me started on some of the stuff I've watched. But it that really bothered me, but I only found a couple instances of it. But, like, why are you bringing up Soros? Why? Why on earth are you bringing up Soros? So there's a breakdown. This next video I'm going to play you is of the top 10 donors to PACs and political organizations. Now, briefly... Um, one of the things that they're very blurry on, on Fox, and in general in the media, I personally would say, I, I think the media doesn't do a very good job of explaining political donations. Now, there's a limit on how much I, um, citizen, can give to any politician. And that limit is pretty small. And when an organization gives money to a politician, they can't actually do that. Not in the same way that I could write a check to... Let's say candidate A. Now, when I write that check to candidate A or I give a donation, if, if you've ever done this, you know, you have to fill out like a little form that says your occupation and you have to give a little bit of information about yourself because that's put on record of how much you gave to that politician. And somebody can look that up if they felt like it. They, if they wanted to go through the hassle of looking up how much money you donated to a given politician, they could do that. When you're an organization you're allowed to give to basically another organization. But yet the organization, again, doesn't do it directly. This gets a little weird. It's employees who work in that organization give donations to political action groups. And I break it down a little bit in this video. I don't want to over-explain it. But I wanted to give a little bit of that background because one of the things that you'll hear a lot on all forms of media, and I wish they wouldn't do this, is they'll say, so-and-so gave... $1 million to President Biden. And actually, they can't do that. They gave $1 million to a PAC or a group that then used that money towards Biden for America or indirectly for um, an organization that was working with the Biden campaign or whatever. And both sides do this. I hate PACs. I think all of this is really sleazy and awful. And a lot of this goes back to a Supreme Court decision called Citizens United, which is highly controversial. And it basically said that, hey, corporations are people and money is free speech, so they can do whatever the heck they want. Basically, I'm oversimplifying. 
But if you want to look up anything about Citizens United, you'll probably start screaming and pulling your hair out. Maybe you'll love it. I don't know. You're free to think however you want. But I just thought I would give that a little bit of that backstory. So here's the next little installment. Democrats still reeling over the downfall of their top donor and favorite crypto scammer, Sam Bankman-Fried. But old Maxine Waters doesn't want to talk about that. Do you think some lawmakers that got donations from FTX's founder should give that money back? Well, I don't want to get into that. As a matter of fact, both sides, Democrats and Republicans, have received donations. I mean, taken from real people. Yeah, and then plowed into the de Democrat Senate campaign. So he bought the Senate. By supporting Democrats who say they want to prevent the next pandemic. It's like 80% of the money went to Democrats. It's not going to Republicans. They gave it to Republicans so they could say it was bipartisan. So this audio is from a video I made for Twitter. The next voice you're going to hear is my voice, and I'm sort of explaining a website. So because it's audio and not visual, I'm going to break this down to help you as much as I can. This is Open Secrets. This website includes information about political donations. There's a limit in the amount a person can donate to a politician. There's no limit in how much they can donate to a political action committee, federal 527 organization, or a carry committee. Now, before anybody writes an angry comment that I said anything incorrectly, because I'm not 100% sure on that, because I had to look up so much stuff for this particular podcast and newsletter, I know that the rules for PACs, super PACs, carry committees, and federal 527 are far more expansive uh, about how much money you can give. And you can see, and I'll explain very quickly, when you go to Open Secrets, when you click on a donor, you can open up and see exactly where every single penny went and to specific packs. And then you can look up those packs or those carry committees. So it, it it's all transparent. It's all right there, at least this part of campaign. There is other ways that they can hide, but. For this type of campaign financing, you can actually see it. Here are the top 10 donors. Notice there are six Republican and four Democrat. I downloaded all of this information into my own spreadsheet. FTX is number three. FTX is light blue because Sam Bankman-Fried or his employees also donated to Republicans. FTX donated $20 million to Republicans. So briefly, I did download all of this information for the top 10 donors from Open Secrets and put it into my own Excel spreadsheet. I was, um, I'm Gen X, I prefer old school Excel over Google Sheets. That was a bone of contention in grad school because this is considered old fashioned. Well, this is what I like. Anyway, so I added all the numbers, did the math myself. It's very easy to do. This is incredibly easy math because you have formulas in Excel, it's, it's just, effortless. So FTX gave about $70 million total, about 20 million of that went to Republicans and 50 million of that went to Democrats. And again, as I said earlier, you yourself can go to opensecrets.org, click on top 10 donors, click on FTX, and it will show you exactly where every single penny went. It's great. It'll show you each organization. Also, I added up out of the top 10 because a lot of them gave a little bit of dem to Democrats and mostly to Republicans or vice versa. So very few donors were 100% one party. When you add up all the numbers, the Republicans received $70 million more than Democrats. And that is with Soros being the number one donor at 126, roughly $127 million. 
and source exclusively only Democrats. And there are some, again, that exclusively only Republicans. I also wanted to include that's in the um, newsletter. One of my followers sent me this and I went, thank you for the link. So that's just the top 10 donors. Of course, there's thousands of donors. So it's estimated in this last election that both parties and all the PACs and all those political groups that contributed spent $17 billion. $17 billion. So how on earth does one eccentric weirdo who had a fake crypto exchange and stole money, how did one guy who spent $70 million, really only $50 million for Democrats, how on earth did he buy the Senate? You see what I'm saying? $17 billion was spent. One dude spent $50 million, which is a lot of money, but nothing compared to $17 billion. So there you have it. There's no way he stole the election. There's no way he did anything. Now, the final clip, still on the same theme, but I wanted to include this because you are going to hear this quote. I predict it. I predict that this quote will be one of those stupid things that they say on Fox, which is blatantly not true over and over and over again, because that's what Fox does. So here's the clip. Yeah, and then plowed into the Democrat Senate campaign. So he bought the Senate for the Democrats and has committed all sorts of atrocious financial crimes, bigger than Enron, bigger than Madoff, and he's still sitting in the Bahamas trying to raise money. I just want to point out in the last clip, Waters called him a mini Madoff, and now he's saying he's bigger than Madoff bigger than Enron. And that's what I predict is going to be repeated on Fox ad nauseum until they move on to some new scandal. Now, I knew immediately that was wrong because I was slightly obsessed with the Enron scandal. And here are the actual numbers. And I have hyperlinks in the newsletter if you want to check these articles out and see for yourself. The Wall Street Journal has reported that Bankman Freed may have illegally taken about $10 billion in FTX's customers' funds for his trading firm, which is probably insolvent at this point, and at least $1 to $2 billion in customer funds is reportedly missing. Most of the wealth lost in FTX's was Bankman Freed's personal fortune. Bernie Madoff, which is a different scandal, and again, I have a link to Bernie Madoff. That was a true Ponzi scheme in the old school version of a Ponzi scheme, stole $20 billion in principal funds and lied about $65 billion worth of gains that simply did not exist. And that's a little complicated, but he told investors that they had gotten gains. And when these investors tried to pull it out, they pulled it out and it was all smoke and mirrors. So one of the tragedies of the Bernie Madoff scandal is most of his investors in fact, almost all of them had no idea they were being ripped off. So when they took their checks for what they thought were returns, that was really somebody else's money. And when this whole thing fell apart and federal um, investigators came in, they had to claw back that money. And of course, these people had no idea that they were part of a Ponzi scheme. So here they had to cough up money that they didn't realize was ill-gotten gains. So just a horrible, horrible nightmare. So it is a little confusing because people will say $65 billion, but he actually only stole $20 billion. Now, Enron. Enron. Enron investors lost 
$74 billion. This included pensioners who lost their entire life savings. Enron executives were also close with the George W. Bush administration and donated heavily to Republicans. The at one time CEO, I don't think he was at the time that Enron fell apart, was basically best buddies with George W. Bush. And then he died somewhat mysteriously as his case was making its way through the federal court. He died of a heart attack. And there's a lot of speculation of like, did he die of a heart attack? Because he died mid trial. His family was able to hold on to most of his wealth. Jeffrey Skilling, who was the other um, person who was heavily involved in Enron, went to federal prison and kind of bought his way out, which is so gross. But oh my goodness, Enron, don't get me started on that one. Um, Such a huge scandal. And just one thing about Enron before we keep going with the podcast, because this story does make me just crazy. And the book about it is amazing. And the film about it is amazing. Smartest Guys in the Room. Highly recommend if you want to see just how bad malfeasance can get with corporate America. Oh, my God. So they were using this goofy accounting method with just all smoke and mirrors. Everything was built on sand. And what was so evil about it is they had just, you know, rank and file employees. Many of them worked at utilities like my father did. They were invested in their 401ks. And as the company was falling apart, they locked them out. So these people were unable to get their money out and the company completely collapsed. So working stiffs who worked for a gas company or an electric company in various parts of the country lost everything. So no, you do not call FTX, which was a high risk investment, which people knew that they were investing in something probably high risk because crypto is considered high risk. You cannot compare that. At best, $12 million, $12 billion, I should say, at best $12 billion to a corporation that lost $74 billion, including wiping out entire companies, several companies, and destroying the retirements and life savings of thousands of people. So just shut your mouth. Okay. (sighs) I get worked up. These people get me worked up. Okay. And very briefly, PBS also explored the FTX issue. Uh, with a man from NPR named Robin Fassard. He has a financial podcast called Full Disclosure. Now, he never mentioned Soros once, and he never mentioned that Sam Bankman-Fried donated to Democrats because it's not really relevant. And they actually, to their credit, PBS explained how FTX worked and how a cryptocurrency worked and how this man scammed people of money. They actually were informative to Um, their viewers. Imagine that. They were trying to help their viewers understand something, which is what the media is supposed to be doing, not smearing one candidate or one political party. So ha ha ha. Um, And I desperately try to do that myself. I try to keep my own politics out of this. You can kind of tell kind of how I lean, but I'm not here to convert anyone to how I think. I'm trying to help you figure this stuff out. So also, I want to add very quickly, because I saw this after I had made my video, Media Matters completely cracked this open. Now, I am one person, and I do 15, 16 hours, sometimes 20 hours, whatever, of Fox News a week. Media Matters has an entire team, and they can watch everything that Fox puts out. And they, I didn't see this in any of my uh, programs, but in other programs, they were linking FTX to Ukraine and claiming it was this big, huge, crazy money laundering scheme with no evidence. They had no evidence. They got this from a white supremacist online who had some goofy show, and he's the one that started it. And then it starts spreading like wildfire through the far right. 
And of course, Fox picked it up like a bunch of idiots. And I included the link. The name of the article by Media Matters, highly recommend it, is right-wing outlets are pushing an unfounded conspiracy theory about collapsed cryptocurrency exchange FTX that originated from a white supremacist website. And there you have it. And again, like I didn't see this evidence, so I couldn't report on this, but they did because they have a whole team of people. And I was, my jaw dropped. I saw some of this on Twitter and was just like, are you kidding me? You don't have any evidence. You got to show the link. You can't just make something up, but that's what they do. So yes, if you want to read about that, please look at that link. Uh, Look up Media Matters. Just Google like Ukraine FTX, you'll find it. So this next clip is a montage. That's what I'm known for from The Five of them crowing about the demise of Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who, by the way, love her or hate her was one of the most successful speakers of the house in the history of our country. Again, lover or hater, you cannot take that away from her. She was incredibly good at getting legislation passed. Here we go. The top Democrat calling it quits after Republicans took away her gavel by winning back the House. And I think that when they start those investigations, they should recognize that what's really important right now is the things that American people are concerned about, and that is the country going in the wrong direction, the cost of food prices and gas prices. But I think there's also another piece that has to be looked into, and that is the issue of Hunter Biden. They have witness testimony, they have bank records, and they have the laptop. And it's probably going to show that Joe Biden committed conspiracy, wire fraud. There was involvement in international sex trafficking through Hunter Biden and possible abuse of power and possible impeachable offenses. Because I'm really proud of the Republicans for throwing down the gauntlet that hard. Now, I don't care if it's a red wave, red trickle. Nancy Pelosi is gone and... Very happy about that. And she leaves a really just vicious legacy from corruption to Obamacare. Men who think they're women shouldn't be in women's sports. These are just small things that we want. I'm going to miss uh, Nancy Pelosi and her unique eyebrows, (laughs) which seem plucked from a dying praying mantis. But I think, I don't think you're going to see her go away. I think you're going to see her go from the gavel to the Gavin. Ooh. Right? Aren't they related? Yeah. They should be related. But also, we're coming up on Christmas. It's time for a female Scrooge, right? <laughs> oh, we don't have a female Scrooge. She would be perfect. See, so yeah, there's just a tangled mess of them tangenting off about Hunter Biden. And they're so excited about these investigations, these investigations that I joked on Twitter, like, where is the Hunter Biden voter? Is there anyone out there who was like, you know what? I don't care about inflation. I don't care about gas prices crime or the stability of the uh, United States economy. I don't care about the war in Ukraine. I don't care about the environment. I don't care about education. You know what I care about? Hunter Biden. We better find what's going on with that laptop. I don't, I, you know, it's amazing to me that this is that big of a focus for them because like how have past investigations gone for them? Really? Bill Clinton, Love him or hate him, think he's a sleaze bucket, think he's a total pervert, whatever. Some people think he's a sexual predator, some people love him. I'm not giving my opinion on him. Regardless, after the Lewinsky scandal investigations, which it's ridiculous, by the way, that it's named after the intern, it should be called the Bill Clinton had an affair scandal, quite frankly. Ugh, anyway, but Bill Clinton, love him or hate him, after that was over, his popularity went up. 
Benghazi, what did that accomplish? It was a distraction, but nothing, basically. So again, if we're going to spend a ridiculous amount of time and energy and money and focus on an investigation about some tabloidy crazy thing that nobody cares about, go for it. I think the American public actually wants you to fight for them and work on things like inflation and gas prices and crime and education and the environment and stuff like that. But whatever, Republicans, if that's what you want to do, go for it. So next up, we have Bogus Expert of the Week. This is not a media clip. I have, oh, I did one little media clip. It's very, very short. So again, I have to do my goofy voice if you've never heard this before. And I'm going to do my ma'am, who she's from St. Louis. And she has a real interesting accent because it's from St. Louis, which is like the Midwest and the South where they sort of meet. So you get, you get hints of both in there. And she says, really, 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 really good. And I'm going to go do the wash and then get it in the car and go on Highway Farty Far. If you're from St. Louis, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But anyway, she's going to introduce this, the bogus expert of the week. And that's an expert that's not really an expert. In fact, she uses this one a lot. So this week, I could have picked a bunch of people because Clay Travis was talking about all kinds of stuff he knew nothing about. Sorry, Clay Travis, but you're a radio host. You talk about everything. But, like, are you an expert on some of these topics? I would say no. But anyway... Um, this one was, Fox was pushing, they're still really big on COVID-19, believe it or not. And they were pushing basically a new conspiracy theory that the vaccines are dangerous and they don't work and nobody should use mandates and yada, yada. It's his old, old stuff. They truck this out all the time. They had a doctor on that instantly made me go, what? Because he was described as, PhD research scientist is what they had under his, on the cryon. That was his description. PhD research scientist. And I immediately went, okay, that's suspect because you can get a PhD in all kinds of stuff and research, I, you know, what is that? So, um, his name is Dr. Human Himadi and he, I'm sure he's very bright. Um, he seemed to know what he was talking about, but his, Specialty is, drumroll please, ophthalmology. So the study of eyes. He's an eye doctor. So if Fox News needed an expert on eye diseases, he would have been the perfect person to discuss it. His quote about COVID-19 was the second clue that this might not be the best person to have on to talk about this issue. And if you're a virus, you're thinking, how do I survive? And a virus that survives is one, that just like the common cold, is one that infects very rapidly, spreads throughout, however, doesn't kill its host. Lethal viruses like Ebola never last very long because they simply burn off because they kill whoever they infect. Okay, I'm not a doctor, obviously. I would never in a million years go on as, as an expert of COVID-19 on any program. I'd be like, oh yeah, no, no. Hire someone who knows what they're talking about. But I did know enough about viruses to the line, if you're a virus, you're thinking. I went, wait a second. Viruses don't think. <laughs> they have no cognitive ability whatsoever. A virus is a sub-microscopic infectious agent that re replicates only inside a living cell of an organism. So the best way it was described to me by my AP biology teacher back in the day, and that was a long, long time ago, is it's a little piece of DNA. It's kind of a zombie. 
And the way a virus adapts and mutates is over generations. That individual virus doesn't think that in individual virus is not making a decision of any kind. <laughs> That's what, I mean, that just was like, what are you doing? No, it's over, gener over multiple generations is how some, a virus would adapt. So that drove me a little crazy, but just, just to simplify it, we don't have to get into viruses. If you had a respiratory infection, would you make an appointment with an eye doctor? No, you would not. So why is he talking about an infectious disease? The other doctor they had on, they have on all the time, and he's a surgeon, but he at least has a background in public health, so I'll, I'll, I'll give it to him. It's that Marty Marquet, who they have on all the time. They have the same, like, five medical contributors all the time, and they talk about any topic within medicine. But... Yeah, an ophthalmologist. Now, what happened a lot with COVID is some of these doctors saw an opportunity and they literally made a career going on shows telling, you know, contrary things about COVID-19 than the mainstream medical establishment. And guess what? They got bookings. They, they wrote books. They got attention. They made money. And this, this kind of thing is always going to happen. And I suspect, I don't know enough about this man, but everything I looked up about his background just went back to ophthalmology and he's working on ways to help nearsightedness and all. I mean, it was just like, are you kidding me? Now, this next clip is the, uh, our dear and glorious former president, Donald J. Trump. I took the entire long, crazy rambling speech and condensed it down to a minute and a half. I also had an edit called the sniff edit, which was just the many times he made these very kind of obvious and loud sniffing noises as he did the speech. And I won't speculate on why he does, but yeah. Okay, here's the little edit that I made about Trump. The greatest country in the history of the world. There has never been anything like it. Never been anything like it. And there will never be anything like it again. Like never before. You've never seen that before from China. China played a very active role in the 2020 election, just saying, just saying. But China, 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 North Korea, they respected me. North Korea, wars like you've never seen before. A time of pain, hardship, anxiety, and despair. Our southern border has been erased. Very lethal fentanyl. The blood-soaked streets of our once great cities, the radical Democrats, like never before. Fake news media. Our success was so incredible. Like never before, we call it the China virus. I will fight like no one has ever fought before. I'd like to talk to you for a second. Well, he said, you've done something that nobody else has done. The socialist disaster known as the Green New Deal. Gender insanity. We will not let men, as an example, participate in women's sports. Is that okay? None is greater than the weaponization of the justice system, the FBI and the DOJ. And I'm a victim, I will tell you. I'm a victim. Think who wrote the fake dossier. That the fake dossier. Focus on Trump and to get Trump. Why didn't you raid Clinton? 32,000 emails. Why didn't you raid Clinton's place? Why didn't you do Obama, who took a lot of things with him? What an inspiring message. I mean, really. Really. That was, that was off a teleprompter, so somebody actually wrote that. 
And they repeated that phrase over and over and over again of like, like nobody's ever seen the greatest of all time. Like he just, that's why I kept editing that. I wasn't sure where I was going to go with this edit. And I just kept hearing that phrase over and over again. And I just kept keeping it. And I was like, oh my God, like somebody actually wrote this down. I don't know if Stephen Miller wrote this mess, but, and it was like really low energy. And of course they actually cut into, they played most of the speech, but at one point, Trump just starts rambling about Angela Merkel, who, by the way, left power like almost a year ago. She's retired. And he's like, Angela Merkel, have you heard of this? Angela, Angela Merkel. And like Hannity just swoops in and starts talking because it was like, yeah, this is going off the rails. This is going off the rails. But anyway, let me just play. This was within 48 hours of that speech. This was Laura Ingram. It was just a tossaway line. And boy, did I laugh. Republicans are in good shape for 2024. Ron DeSantis is betting the betting favorite to win the White House with Trump close behind. So she's at the Patriot Awards, which was something Fox did last week. I didn't cover it, but they, it was like this jingoistic Patriot uh, award show where they gave out awards to people. So that's where you hear live audience in some of the clips because they were down in Florida. But ladies and gentlemen, that was Laura Ingram saying out loud broadcast to millions of people that Ron DeSantis was the betting favorite. Ron DeSantis is not running for president yet. He is the governor-elect of Florida. I guess he's still the governor of Florida because he was reelected. But he's not officially running for president again. And she says he's the betting favorite and Donald Trump is close behind. Oh, yes. The tide has turned. Feel the burn, Trump. Feel the burn. So yeah, that happened and I was gleeful. I was like, oh my God, that's 12 seconds. And that got turned into a tweet because I was, I was just like, I can't, I can't, not that I'm really, well, I won't say anything about Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis is not a traitor. Ron DeSantis did not um, try to overthrow the will of the people. I don't hold back on Trump because there's no both sides. After January 6th, I, you can't both sides that anymore. That's, I can't do it. I can't, I'm like NPR, NPR just called him out. They're like, nope, sorry. He tried to cite an insurrection. We're not going to lie about it. We're not going to act like that's normal. So next section of the podcast, I'm going to keep it short because we're over time. I don't want to go too long. I'm just going to pick 10 of the stories that Fox News ignored. Every week I compare 15 hours of Fox News programming with five hours of the PBS NewsHour. And the following stories are stories that PBS reported on that Fox News ignored. Some of these were on the lead. Daryl Brooks, who was the man who drove an SUV into a crowd of a parade in Wisconsin received six consecutive life sentences. They didn't mention that. They did talk about the trial, but they didn't mention his sentence. Um, there was more than a thousand Starbucks workers in 125 stores across the country walked off the job last week in a push for unionization that they dubbed Red Cup Rebellion. I think that's amazing. So hardcore. Um, there was a massive blizzard in Buffalo, New York. There is a huge, horrible drought on the Mississippi, which is one of the reasons why food is costing more right now, because it's costing more to transport it because there's no water on that river and it's just harder to move a barge on it. A judge overturned Georgia's ban on abortion at six weeks, citing it was unconstitutional. Um, let me find another one before we keep going. Amazon plans to lay off about 10,000 employees. Former Vice President Mike Pence said he will not testify before the U.S. House January 6th committee. Um, 
The United Nations estimated on November 15th, 2022, that the world population hit 8 billion, with the largest growth coming from developing countries in Africa. Wow. Here, Fox will talk about how there's not enough babies being born. Yes, they are. They're just not white and they're not being born in the United States. So you could just shut up. Anyway, plenty of babies are being born. Eight billion people. That is quite the milestone. Um, and I think the last one I'm just going to throw in there is the uh, protests in Iran, which I think it is absolutely shameful, shameful that Fox News has not even brought it up. And that is a woman, you probably know if you've listened to this podcast, what's going on in Iran. A young woman was arrested for not wearing her headscarf properly, and she died in police custody. And that set off a series of anti-government protests that have gone on for over two months. Hundreds of people have died. The government has said they're going to start executing prisoners, which they have started doing. It's an absolute horror show, but yet the people remain defiant. And that is so inspiring and amazing. And the fact that Fox News has ignored it is downright shameful. And I would say that about all the stories that they ignore and everything that they cover up or, or gloss over. It's just, how are you kidding me? That is democracy. That is the power of the people and you still ignore it. It's just absolutely disgusting. Oh my goodness. So the, if you want to read all of the stories, there's over 20 of them that is on the newsletter. I have hyperlinks to everything. By the numbers or graphs that I compare the top five categories of Fox News compared to PBS. And they were vastly different again. The Trump announcement took up 8% of their programming, and that's over 15 hours. It's a lot. Trump uh, 2024 took up 6% of their programming, again, over 15 hours. Their Patriot Awards was 7% of their, and that's not the award show. That was just them talking about their award show. That's how fluffy Fox was last week. Um, PBS NewsHour was Ukraine midterms, artist profiles, which they do every single week. And that varies all over the place from like artists, um, dancers, choreographers, musicians, you name it. Um, Trump 2024 20, was 7%. was also discussed heavily. And then they had a memorial for Michael Gerson, Gerson who was a um, contributor to PBS and a journalist. Um, and he died at the young age of 58. So I also take all 15 hours and make it into one giant transcript. And then I do a search for words of how many times things were discussed. Things that dropped from last week were crime, inflation, gas. Um, the border went up. That was interesting. The border crisis is what I call it. But that went up. And then it was kind of dull this week. Um, although, of course, as she always does, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made the list because they cannot stop talking about her. Fox News is borderline obsessed. It's like nutty how much they talk about her. She's just a congresswoman. She's not even a senator. But okay, Fox. And then next week, I have plans. Fox will phone it in. They always do this with holidays. They do a lot of fluffy, dumb stuff where they just like, it's Thanksgiving. Let's just light it. Like they had a tree lighting today. So half of the five was just them lighting a tree. Um, so that'll be a lot of the programming this this upcoming week. So I'm going to be... I'm going to be doing Fox and Friends, The Five, and Jesse Waters. Very quickly, before I end this, if you want to help this project out, it's a micro-budget. I'm funded through the Research Foundation, which is through um, indirectly through City University of New York. Um, I have a Patreon, and I also have a little tip thing at the top of my Twitter. Next week's is going to be a little strange because I had a death in the family, and normally I would just go very quickly back for Thanksgiving and then very quickly back to New York. 
but I actually haven't gone back in years because of COVID and grad school. But my beloved aunt um, died from ALS, which is a vicious, horrible disease. Um, I just want to say a little bit about her. Linda Shad. She was a proud mother, wife, educator. She adored the St. Louis Cardinals. She loved um, singing. She would just break out into song at the dinner table. That's the kind of person she was. She was hilarious. She adored her daughters. Um, she loved dogs. Her, I, she had puppies at one point when I was a kid, and it was like the most exciting thing in the world. Um, she was just a beautiful person inside and out. When you came to her home, she would just smile so brightly. So excited to see you. And um, unfortunately, this world took her a little bit too soon. But we persevere, we move forward, and I'm gonna get to see my family and my cousins and their beautiful children next week. And I hope everybody has a beautiful holiday. Have a happy Thanksgiving with family or with friends or by yourself, whatever you need to do. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you at the next podcast. Thank you all for coming.